Before we get into this episode, I just want to say a huge thank you to our supporters, Festival Republic. You've probably spent a weekend in a field with them at some point. They put on some of the UK's best known festivals. They're also leading when it comes to sustainability. From powering their events with cleaner energy to sending zero waste to landfill, they've already switched single-use plastic bottles to those made from recycled materials, brought in deposit return schemes for cups and trialled ideas like labelling the carbon footprint of the food on sale. They're also active in greening the music industry more broadly. They've signed up to Music Declares Emergencies pledges and they're a driving force within Vision 2025, a body bringing outdoor events and climate goals together. Sounds Like a Plan is all about ideas and solutions, so it made sense to me to team up with one of the most proactive festival organisers out there. One of their main events is the incredible Leeds Festival, always such a huge lineup. It takes place at Bramham Park, Leeds, from the 26th to the 28th of August 2022. Weekend tickets are already on sale so head to leadsfestival.com forward slash tickets that's leadsfestival.com forward slash tickets to get yours so big up festival republic for their support and their essential work they say their job is to preserve the live music experience for generations to come and that is something that we can all get behind Hello and welcome to Sounds Like a Plan, a podcast all about how the music world is taking action in the climate crisis. I'm Greg Cochran. I'm a journalist and podcaster. And I'm Faye Milton, a musician, producer and co-founder of Music Declares Emergency. This time on the podcast, we are talking about music merchandise, super important to the livelihoods of so many artists. But is there an alternative, less wasteful way of doing it? We're joined by Sam Carter, singer with Architects, to hear about their responsible approach. Yep, Sam's also an ambassador for Sea Shepherd UK, telling us about the crucial role of ocean health in the climate emergency. So let's get into the podcast. Faye, last time out on the podcast, we were in Glasgow. We were crouched on the floor, we were sleep deprived and we were in a stairwell of a music venue during the first week of the UN's COP26 Climate Summit. An incredibly busy and quite intense time. Deservedly, you've had a few days off following that. But um, I wondered if you had any further reflections on on your experience of being up there in Glasgow and, and how it went for you. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like probably as it seemed from the outside very confusing because there's so much going on and Mm. don't really get to know what's happening in the main conference area and it's all a bit this kind of mad baffling thing with so many thoughts and so many opinions but yeah a few it's really just rejuvenated my um, sense of urgency around climate issues and uh, biodiversity loss issues and maybe it sounds cheesy but kind of almost made me really reaffirmed that it's a really important place for the arts to be mm. involved in mm. definitely speaking yeah. to aurora and nick mulvey at the panel we were on together they were just i don't know so deeply entwined with nature and their their work and it just really it came with such a kind of weight to it in a good way you know such a gravitas mm. to their work and and the sort of spirit and yeah definitely it's time for me to look at my own life and say okay what can I change what can I make better and how can we renew our efforts to stop this awful destruction. In the hope of being useful in terms of music's presence 
around all of this up there in Glasgow, I want to point listeners to a few things that have been made available since we left COP26 that um, they might be interested in. So I'll post links to all of these in our show notes so that you don't have to go around and scrabble around on the internet trying to trying to find them all or making kind of like rushed notes on your phone as you listen to this. Massive attack were there in Glasgow. Robert Dalnaja appeared on stage in the Blue Zone alongside um, eco-businessman Dale Vince. Is that what we're calling Dale Vince? A kind of eco-entrepreneur is a sort of a person of many, many different uh, guises and talents. They appeared on stage with Carly McLaughlin, who's one of the researchers from the Tyndall Institute who collaborated on Massive Attack's touring report that was published a few months ago. Um, as an aside, Carly was amazing. I saw her speak a couple of times during the conference. Faye, I know that you you met with, with Carly and spoke on, on some of those panels. Carly was amazing. Just what a great sort of person to hear speaking on this issue. One of those people who knows all of the facts and mm. understands all of the context and then can explain it in a really cheerful and positive and direct way but huge respect for her massive attack also launched ecobot.net which is a platform which has been flagging disinformation and greenwashing that's been appearing on social media during cop 26 you know we're, we're all aware of the fact that like social media can be awash with kind of mistruth and how destructive that can be when you're trying to be constructive around issues and so uh, Massive Attack have been really really proactive in that area by launching that I'll stick a, I'll stick a link to that in, in the show notes and um, they've been dropping information about that every day whilst COP26 has been happening so big respect to them and also in the green zone was the official public area COP26 they had the blue zone that's where all of the kind of speeches and the kind of world leaders and the negotiating teams were gathering amongst the kind of thousands of delegates that were there from around the world and then you also had the green zone which was where the public could access through tickets and could go and witness and watch online stuff going on on a whole range of topics but music had a presence there julie's bicycle some listeners may remember that we had kiara from um, julie's bicycle in one of the early episodes and um, they hosted a session there discussing the intersection of climate with art and culture and music and it featured some great people there was elif safak there was love sega there was ez devlin and ed hawkins um, and the whole thing has been made available on youtube so well worth a watch on that one for anybody that uh, didn't get the chance to watch it live or be there uma entertainment who are, who are sort of management company i suppose but also have a few different guises the last time we were speaking on the podcast Faye, that's the event that we were at you'd just spoken at their series of events that were happening up in glasgow it was followed by a gig that as you mentioned aurora and nick mulvey played so that's a shout out for people to go and watch you on, um, <laughs> online and your and your and your peers speaking on this issue it has been made available on demand if people buy a ticket to go and watch the talks and the gig that was recorded the proceeds from that go to earth percent which is the organization that brian eno was with us here on the podcast talking about in episode one of this new series uh, it's only a fiver so like even if you just want to go and support earth percent then well worth it and the bonus being you get to see Faye and lots of other distinguished people speaking on the subject of music and climate one final thing I just want to point listeners towards, there was also a daily radio show happening during COP26. It was called Inside COP26. It was hosted by Sophie Schnapp in collaboration with Clyde Built Radio. Brilliant way to get a sense and a feel of what was happening in the city during all of this and some great guests as well speaking, including a couple of legends. Brian Eno was there and Patty Smith was speaking on uh, on their show as well. So thoroughly recommend making your way through those. They're on Spotify, so do go and give them a listen. Faye, is there anything else you want to shout out? Greg, how was your trip up to Glasgow in the electric vehicle? How did that go for you? 
it was really good. I really loved it, actually. Um, my first experience of driving an EV, almost weirdly calming to drive and like comfortable. And like even when you're going on the motorway, you can just have like a conversation at kind of normal level. It's actually really cost effective to charge it and it's quite cheap, like much, much cheaper than filling your car with with petroleum. We were stopping at lots of service stations on the way up there because I was traveling with my wife and my little boy. And so we were charging up and like EV owners are quite, it's not it's just quite a nice community so people will actually stop and talk to each other and ask like where are you going how's your journey and stuff so I really like that side of things a few people have asked me since I mentioned it on the podcast before it's called Onto and their website is on so on dot to and basically they are like an electric vehicle subscription club so it's really flexible and the whole idea is that it's an alternative to actually owning a car which is great because I don't particularly want to own a car um, and then you can sort of use it one month and then if you don't want to use it for the next month you just give it back or if you know that you're going to be doing like a bigger trip at like Christmas or summer holidays or something you could exchange it for a different car things like that they're all just different EVs um, so yeah it was brilliant absolutely loved it like I would love to do it again and it's just a big recommend from me Final thing on on COP before we move on to other things. Since we've left COP26, there's obviously been lots of mixed messages coming out of the actual headline negotiations, the the big picture stuff. I feel like we'll be able to talk about that on the overall outcomes on probably on the next podcast. We're recording this on a on a Thursday, and COP hasn't finished yet, so like we'd kind of be taking a bit of an educated guess at what's gonna gonna happen. But obviously, right now, depending on who and where you're reading or listening, then it's either looking quite positive or really highly concerning. The end result of that is going to come. So we'll be able to talk about that in uh, the podcast over the weeks to come. So away from all things COP26, we are tackling a huge area of music that we've yet to get into on the podcast until now. We are talking this week about merchandise. Faye, from perspective as an artist, how important when you are establishing a career in a band or as a solo artist or just doing music as your job, how important is merchandise to kind of the overall picture of like artists' revenue of just survival of just being able to do it like is is that a really key thing still yeah absolutely and it's because no one wants to pay for music anymore basically (laughs) so everyone has to make t-shirts and become a t-shirt manufacturer alongside their normal jobs of making music so it's with a mild bitterness you might be able to sense in my voice there of the fact that you the musicians do have to do this extra stuff because then music's not remunerated properly enough to live on obviously that's a sweeping statement you know some people it is and some people it never would be because they're not big enough artists but Mm. it is a problem that artists have to do all this extra stuff relentless touring creation of huge amounts of merch and then also a problem that you know I've definitely had is that then you look in your loft your basement the back of your cupboard your lockup wherever you keep stuff and at the end of a tour or at the end of an album cycle there are boxes and boxes of t-shirts, the ones that didn't mm. sell, the odd sizes, just like the things that probably would sell, they're just not on the shop and you had them on tour and it's just too complicated to work out. And yeah, so there's loads of possibility and interesting stuff already going on in this area. Lots of people coming at this from different angles. We've heard before about ideas like the 1975 offering a service to reprint like old tour t-shirts at, at festivals and things like that. And I know like, Faye with Music Declares Emergency it's about kind of choosing your partners really carefully to to understand like where your merchandise is being manufactured just being really considerate of that and the t-shirts we produce at Music Declares are only printed to order so there's none of that sort of leftover landfill stuff and it's also magically you can send them back at the end for the company to recycle 
and they will give you store credit. So there's a sort of incentive to work with a circular economy. So even though it's not a perfect, you know, nothing can be zero waste if you're actually creating something, but it's, it's as close as we've found so far. Brilliant. So yeah, we wanted to get into this topic because as everyone knows, like fashion is a huge contributor, both in terms of production and transport and ultimately, as we've just been saying, material wastage. With that in mind, we are super happy to welcome Sam Carter from the British metal band Architects onto this week's podcast, a band who are coming at merch from a different angle. That was the big thing that we wanted to talk to him about, but he's also an ambassador for Sea Shepherd UK. And I'm sure lots of listeners will have discovered their work through the Sea Spiracy documentary on Netflix, certainly left the lasting impression on me when I watched that. Let's hear from Sam from Architects who are very much taking responsibility for their own impact. Great to hear about what they've launched in the past couple of years. So here we are. This is Sam Carter from Architects on Sounds Like a Plan. Sam, so excited to have you on Sounds Like a Plan. Thank you for joining us. I wanted to start by asking just about your passions for ecology and nature and ocean health and all the things that you speak often about and your role and now your job obviously as a musician and how those two things came to connect I suppose I mean just to know how that all came together. We were supporting Parkway Drive out in Australia and they had people from Sea Shepherd at every show and then that inspired me to have them at every single architect show from then on as well so yeah that was a that was the way in there and I think already being vegan and already caring about animals and then having a a cause like Sea Shepherd I think starts to open your eyes to everything else you know you meet other people super interesting people whether it be them at the merch table or whether it be Mm. uh, you know going on the boats and meeting people from there you find out about other causes and then for me it's about supporting people with similar ideas and similar passions and and uh, and similar amounts of empathy and and people that care for for the, the bigger picture really. If you were to describe Sea Shepherd for someone who hadn't heard of them or had just seen the logo that looks super cool but doesn't really know what's behind it, how would you describe them? I would say they're the only organisation, and I would say that quite strongly, that they're the only organisation that are policing the sea and policing in places where in natural reserves or nature reserves in the ocean where you're not supposed to be fishing, they're the only people there. As in the in the Galapagos, they have boats down there that are stopping people from illegal fishing. They have them all over the world and they are not getting paid for that. Nobody gets paid for in Sea Shepherd. It all goes into the boats. You know, a lot of these countries that put in these non-fishing bands, they're not out there in the in the middle of Antarctica trying to keep an eye on it or deep, deep in, in the Galapagos or in in Africa. They, they just put the rules out there to look like they're doing something. Whereas if if somebody's there filming you doing it, you can get in trouble for it and that does stop people from doing it. Your role as a ambassador for Sea Shepherd UK, what does that kind of entail? Is it's it basically sort of- me just being a big gobshite for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's me just standing up and going, these people are doing something really cool. Don't pat me on the back, <laughs> like pat them on the back. Um, <laughs> and th- things like uh, obviously before before COVID and everything I was doing a lot more like appearances at events that they had. So like if they were doing like protests and stuff, I would be there and be like a a speaker at those events or fundraisers. I would go and be a speaker there. Um, That stuff's super like nerve wracking. I remember we did one. uh, There was a fundraiser at like the Cutty Sark in London. You like look around the room and there's just like just people in suits and you're just there just in like your sleeveless (laughs) Sea Shepherd T-shirt like... (laughs) Right, so now I've got to get you guys on board. Like, okay, <laughs> hello. <Ooh. laughs> I basically just speak 
passionately about them and like why I love them and, and why I think they're they're super important to uh, to what's going on in the world and 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 you know you you, you do see the the changes that they make. It can be dangerous and difficult and being away from your family and being away from land and doing something that you're probably coming up against quite a lot of aggression yeah. mm-hmm. and people kind of just presume they like to cuss them criticize them they're not doing everything right but what if they just disappeared what if they all just gave up if those people gave up then we're absolutely screwed like it the exactly. world needs these these people working so hard um, to do direct yeah. action to do activism to put themselves in the in the line of danger and just lending support and lending your voice to that is a huge boon to them i'm sure I always just say, like, it, uh, for me, like, they're like my heroes. You know, I, I mm. love, I love, I love football, and that you know, the people that play football for my club, I love them, and they're and they're my heroes. Like, I'm a kid, but those are, and the, but then the people <laughs> that work for Sea Shepherd are even more heroic for me. I love them because they're just they're doing these these things that are so special and so important and so brave, and and they give up their lives for for this i will always want to stand by them and raise money for them and do things that we that we can do for them because they're just so they're just, yeah they're just heroes they're absolute heroes mm-hmm. and with people like extinction rebellion people being like oh they've blocked the road again it's like yes do you know why <laughs> like, they're not doing it they're not doing it for a laugh they know that it's shock tactics they know that it's going to you know get to people but that means it's going to get spoke about you know we can't all just walk around calmly and try and explain these things because that's what's been going on for the last 50 years and nothing's changed and people like that need to be celebrated for their bravery and, and for the fact that they're not they're not just they're not doing it for for themselves it's not like a person is going to get limelight or stardom mm. off of it they're doing it for like the greater good of, of what's going on in the world it's almost an act of desperation i don't mean that in a sort of bad way but it's if you if you see the picture really clearly and see how close to being fucked we are then yeah. it's like a last ditch attempt to try and get someone to care about it, which is probably the same with, with Sea Shepherd. It's like if there was a, yeah. a proper policing system for the seas, they wouldn't have to give up their lives. I'm paid to go out on the yeah, boat exactly. and do it, but there just isn't. So Exactly. It's 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 you know, I think things and films like uh, the, the new film Sea Spiracy that uh, Ali and his wife put together is so important for things like that coming out and, and, and then actually highlighting the work that that Sea Shepherd have done, them being involved in that has been amazing for the organization. And and I think it's just an eye opener. I think when you see people that kind of go from normality to then having their eyes opened, you know, like like Ali and, and, and his wife in that in that film, you go out thinking one thing and you come home just being like, okay, wow. And that was the, the thing, you know, w- watching that film, I, I got excited because I was like, there is gonna be so many people that are gonna watch this film and their lives are going to change. They're never going to eat fish mm. again. They're going to watch this and be like, I can't be part of this. I'm one of those people, Sam. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. But that's, that's, that shows it. It shows, I think, you know, things like that. Once it's actually put in front of people, people don't want to be part of that. People don't mm. want to, people don't want to be like, you know, people want, people care. Deep down, people do care. It's just, we're all so distracted. We've got so mm. many things pulling us in different directions, but Really, we do care about each other. And, and if the ocean dies, we die. You know, mm. if you take one thing out of that ecosystem, whether it be sharks, whales, anywhere in that pyramid, if you take that away, mm. then we're doomed. Um, and we don't need it. We don't need to be fishing on this large scale with these super trawlers. You know, like if, mm. if I don't want to be, <laughs> look back if I have kids, turn around and go like, yeah, sorry about that. I just really love tuna. 
sorry. <laughs> sorry that you sorry you got an apocalypse coming for you, but not much I could really do. I didn't really like tofu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think speaking quite plainly about things connects with people really well as well. I mean, scientists science is vital to understand the climate crisis but there will always be a level of doubt so you can't ever say a scientist can't come out and say humans cause global warming because scientifically there's like a teeny 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 chance that we haven't which isn't really realistic but that means that the scientist has to say we predict that or it is likely that you know so it's you can't really talk in really straightforward conversational terms if you're being really technical about things which is why it's quite good to just try your best. Have it out. <laughs> Have it out. Just <laughs> yeah. bring it yeah. into normal conversation and, and see where it goes. Because the issues are, they're not actually fundamentally that complicated. No. It's like, we need to stop fishing and eating meat. Yeah. Do you think the role of oceans in the general climate and ecological crisis is kind of underplayed? Because they do, they are responsible for so much of like the health of our planet and the carbon absorption and, and things yeah. like that. We hear so much about like, let's plant more trees, let's protect our forests, et cetera, et cetera, which is obviously very, very important. Mm-hmm. But the ocean gets mentioned less frequently, do you think? It's sort of, yeah. it's sort of not, it's underplayed, isn't it? It's sort of a out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. You know, no one's seeing the, the islands made up of garbage in the middle mm. of the ocean that are miles long. Your average person's not going through the Antarctic and seeing a can of Coke floating around, you know, next to a whale. It's, it's like a, you're, not, you're not seeing that. I think also, yeah, it, it's not really our place either, you know, and so it's easier to sort of disengage with it. I think it's just sort of like, well, we live on the land, so we'll plant stuff here, we can do stuff here. It's like, well, actually, I think a lot more oxygen will come from like kelp forests. And I think it's just really sad because you don't know what's going on under there as well. You know, I think you sort of see the surface level and you don't, you don't, you know, your average person doesn't want to sit there and go through the facts of what what animals out there are going to be extinct this year and and what have we lost and you know how much is tuna worth now and you know it's your average person doesn't care about that because they're not they're not seeing it and they can still get their tins of tuna from somewhere so they don't care it's really quite bleak because you know it's such a a place of wonder and and um such an amazing there's so many discoveries i still think probably to Mm. be made there there's so many right. animals and things that we've never seen. Uh, we may never see because we may be destroying mm. them by, by, you know, their gills getting shoved full of microplastics. You know, it's, it's, it's as bleak as I can say it. Realising that, like, you are actually, what you pay for is actually part of the problem and realising that you can sort of take that power back almost by being like, well, I'm just not going to eat fish. And then if more people feel like that, then maybe there'll be less, you know, demand there. And yeah, you can hope. You've got to hope. Mm. Speaking to you, Sam, it, it makes complete sense that architects have kind of taken a different approach to things like the creation of your merchandise. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm a fundamental part of obviously being in uh, a band, like trying to do it as you're, you're living in your job is like, you know, creating T-shirts and merch and things like that. Before you tell us a little bit about what architects do, traditionally, what would happen if somebody was creating merch? If you were to rewind like five, five years, or probably this probably still happens now, like mm-hmm. if an artist was going on tour, would you just basically order as many t-shirts in as many sizes as you can and you put them in a cardboard box you put them in the back of the van that you're touring with and you hope to sell as many as you can and and what's left is left what's happened a lot in the past and and then if you can just tell us a bit about why you wanted to develop something that was different with what architects do 
I think a lot of bands, you know, and we have done it and probably have done in recent years, ordered a lot of boxes of merch and some some things don't sell and and then they're just there and they rot in a warehouse somewhere that you don't know where they are and they're just gone. And it's just a waste of energy, water, cotton, and it's just bleak because you just think how much energy goes in and how much effort and time goes into making that and how much water and, and you know precious resources that we have and it's just there, just gone now. Luckily, we've been quite good with with ordering the right amount of stuff. Nobody wants to be left with with wrong stock. I'd rather not make as much money and just not have a lot of merch left at the end of a tour because mm. it's always just a waste. So we came up with the idea to try and do stuff where it was exclusive in small numbers, but in the sense of like, well, if you got it, then you you got it and you will take care of it because you got it yeah. and you love it. And you're like, I've got this one of a hundred thing. I've got this super rare item that I love and I'm going to hand wash or I'm not going to, you know, put through, I'm not going to leave it anywhere because I'm going to care about it. Like I'm guilty of having too many clothes. And last the last couple of years, I've been trying to get rid of them, put them on Depop or give them to charities and try and make sure that, you know, they're not just sat rotting under my bed. And, you know, I think that's the thing when you think actually think about how much water goes into producing cotton or, or, or hoodies or jeans. It's, it's really crazy. And also when it's not organic or not printed on decent items, it's just a waste because if you just buy a cheap shirt, wash it once and then it's unwearable again. That's that's mm. fast fashion is, is rough, you know. I think companies like you know like Adidas printing like all their all their stuff with like end plastic waste now, or like all this Man United stuff that I've got is made from recycled items, which is amazing. It makes you makes you so stoked. And I think, yeah, we wanted to move move forward with that. I think in the future we want to print on our own hemp t shirts. Um, we want to start printing more organic stuff. It's just, yeah, just step by step. And I think it's the thing is nobody's, nobody's perfect at all. You know, we, we've been inspired by other people doing this and we want to try and inspire other bands to do this and, and take care of, of what they're doing because, yeah, it's mm. just super easy to think like, oh, if we sell X amount of this and we print this much, that means we're definitely going to make that sale. You know, like, right, let's print 500 of these and then, you know, we'll hopefully sell 500 of them and then we'll, you know, we'll buy houses. It just doesn't work mm. like that. Um I think, yeah, you've just got to be be sensible and be smart and, you know, put your money where your mouth is and be like, yeah, I really, we, we really care and we don't want to, we don't want to waste too much. But again, it's, we have other merch stores that aren't specifically ran just by us, which I think, are, you know, they're places where we've, you know, now implemented printing on organic stuff. Even if they're printing X amount and we're not there to see it, it has to be done on that. Um mm. So it's about learning as you go. And I think it's so easy to like point the finger and call people out for, for trying because, oh, it's not perfect. And it's like, well, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like we're trying, you know. We get flack from people sometimes where they're like, well, I can't believe this costs this much. And it's like, well, sorry, we're not H&M. It's like, we're sorry, we, you know, the, the, the items that are, are hand-stitched, they're stitched by one person. It's not a factory somewhere. It's somewhere in Reading that's, that that's being done, you know, like it's not. Someone gets paid a full wage to do it. Exactly. It's like we, we do this, we get stuff embroidered and this company that we do stuff through, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll do embroidered and that. And I just imagine this, this woman being like, oh, fuck, they're doing the embroidery again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yeah, that's why it costs money because there's, you know we know where the stuff is made and we and we it's it's important to us to do stuff that that aligns with what we think and care mm. about. 
yeah taking a responsible approach to it yeah what what um you mentioned there like uh you hope that there's a sort of ripple effect other artists have sort of noticed what you're doing yeah. thinking you know actually that's that's a good approach like i want to do that has that happened do, have you had other artists get in touch with you and say like this great idea can you tell us more about it and and also how have fans responded to it because obviously you've explained what you're doing and why you're doing it generally speaking do you think people have responded positively yeah i think i think some people most people get it and most people understand why we're doing it and i think actually for those that don't that works out fine as well because they just some people probably just see it as like a cool limited item but without knowing it, the fact that they are buying it means that they care for it and they'll wear it more and they will look after it. What's actually quite cool is it all came about during lockdown. It was me, Dan and Ali that work and put everything together, put the photo shoots together, put the designs together with with other artists. We go out with a plan. We speak about it all the time. And, and it's been really nice for us to be to have something else to focus on, you know, after the album coming out and, and actually in the build up to the album. It's just another creative outlook. It's nice to kind of be like, oh, okay, yeah, I would love us to do a show like that. Or I think we could do something cool like this. Or, you know, have our, everyone put their opinions in and work together. And I've, seen, I've seen, you know, some bands do it. You know, we're, we're, not, the, we're not the first band to be, to be doing this. But it was just exciting after a few years of, of us not having our own individual merch store. It, it being run through other people. For us to actually be like, okay, what would we wear? What would I want to wear if I was an Architects fan? Because not everybody that's an Architects fan is like, you know, wants to wear like the death metal t-shirts, which is wicked that most people, a lot of people do, but pe people like me or, or other people just like a simple t-shirt, you know, like a cool design or a cool color. And I think that's been fun to explore that going down those routes of like, okay, we don't have to just print 11 black t-shirts. You know, we can, we can print some pink ones and some yellow ones and you know, not everybody is, uh, yeah, got corpse paint on listening to architects <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> brilliant um sam i've got i've got one more question from me and it was just around you've talked about the fact that your interest in this area has kind of developed over time and and in the fact that you've spoken at more events with sea shepherd and and you've kind of you know developed these ideas with your with with architects merchandise and everything like that what are your sort of ambitions like would you like to go and do some like direct action stuff with sea shepherd at some point would you would yeah. you like to create a blueprint that other artists adopt in terms of their merchandise like where is it heading what would you like to do in the future even though i'm like will get terribly seasick i will spend a, a lot of time on a, on a sea shepherd boat there were plans i had in place before to go out to the pharaohs where obviously they they get up to some mm -hmm really horrible stuff there and i think some maybe going to a place like that could bring some attention from alternative magazines uh you know i'm not i'm not imagining that <laughs> me turning up there is going to get the daily mail or the the scum i mean the sun or anyone interested but i think going somewhere like that and then having like kerrang and metal hammer and all these heavier magazines focus in on that would be, would be great also i think yeah moving forward i think it's just important to carry on Doing what we're doing, you know, we, we've taking steps to to try and make touring as good as we can. You know, removing plastic bottles from our rider and 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 you know, little things like that. I think bands, younger bands that come on tour and see like, oh, why are you guys drinking out of your own water bottles on stage? Like, why do you have your own? Why do you have your own bottles? And you, then you explain, and then you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then they'll go off and do their own tour where they do that, mm. or having other bands have their own sort of like, you know, we we tour like a a water thing that you fill up from any tap and it filters it and then we put it in our own little like 
our own little chilies bottles that we that are battered that go on stage and everything. But you know, even <laughs> things like that. Like I didn't two three years ago, I didn't even think about that. You know, you turn up to a venue and every you know, there's pallets of water bottles that wrapped in plastic and wrapped again in plastic, yeah. dropped in your room, and then you go for about three or four on stage. It's you know, it's and then every band and the whole tour. You're also ingesting a lot of plastic. Yeah, when you yeah. do that. Yeah, and and you and then you think every band that's on that bill, say three bands, and then you think, okay, we're in a venue mm. where there's probably seven shows that have come through here this week. So it all adds up. So if you start seeing, mm-hmm. you know, if bands start seeing stuff like that, then hopefully, you know, that 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 takes that, that ripple effect. And things like, you know, um, offsetting when you fly, you're like, you, you, you know, you ha- there is an option to pay for like a, a, to like your carbon footprint for that flight. You know, sure, it mm. costs a little bit of money. I think, when you're a younger band and you probably don't have the the money to to click that button and pay for it but we do so we we have to you have to do it if you're going to if you're going to fly you have, you got to do the do your bit to try and offset what you've done i'm just constantly inspired by you know bands doing things like this and again like i don't consider us a perfect band i don't consider us anything like that we're just we're just trying you know it's little steps but i think if everybody started doing that then then we'd see a big change so brilliant to have Sam on the podcast. Faye, did you enjoy speaking to him? What did you what did you particularly like from that conversation that we had? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, what a great guy. And then I just I'm so just Sea Shepherds are so cool, man. They've got that badass like logo and this cool look. And you always see like really cool people wearing those t-shirts. Mm. And it somehow kind of avoided being this like holier than thou situation. They're just like more badass than thou. Um, so yeah massive respect to Sam Carter for for being really dedicated to that and the really interesting chat about the merch as well I loved how spirited Sam was you could hear it in his voice just how passionate he is about this subject that's why we wanted to call this episode conviction and all the word conviction felt right for the episode title for this podcast I think like following words with action is really really important and we've seen that on his kind of work with Sea Shepherd UK and also when it comes to the merch side of things also Greg a conviction is probably what you could have for carrying out some of the work that Sea Shepherd do because they are quite quite feisty. Yeah, well, we had that discussion there in that conversation about Sea Shepherd being labelled eco-terrorists. Extinction Rebellion have had the same treatment, like in terms of the, some of these groups that are acting on everybody's behalf, but ultimately get vilified by certain parts of the media. So yeah, it's sort of controversial to be, you know, I'm sure Sam gets a fair amount of stick online from from putting his head up above the kind of parapet and, and speaking on behalf of Sea Shepherd. I'm sure he has to deal with an awful lot of stuff. But yeah, it's important that he does. So great to have him on and given the platform to do that. With the merch stuff, they were just addressing some of the problems that you kind of outlined before we introduced Sam's chat. You know, the fact that they're doing limited lines of merch, they can still find a way to express themselves through you know a different outlet that isn't just their music that they're trying the fact that they're trying to limit any kind of wastage they don't have overstock and kind of and boxes of t-shirts lying around what i really liked is the fact that because they've been really open and honest with their fan base about what they're doing and why they're doing it he said that basically everybody seems to have come along on the journey with them so that sure you have to explain that this hoodie or whatever is going to be a little bit more expensive but the fact that they've been trying to be open and transparent with people about what they're doing and why they're doing it has maybe been a really good encouraging thing absolutely it goes into that sort of old vivian westwood adage which is buy less choose well make it last which is you know if you've 
if you've really, if you know the effort that's gone into a piece of merch and you've kind of shoveled out for it, then you're going to, it's going to have more value for you. And you, you're not going to maybe, for better or for worse, you may, might not buy the next round of merch. You might just be really happy with the one you already have. So yeah, I think it's it's great. Value yeah. is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I hope it's contagious because when you look at like the, the online store that architects have launched it's really cool and they're you know they've got a real flair for design and the the, the you know the the merchandise that they're making and i think that it'll just be contagious and that other bands and artists will look at it and go actually i think that's not only a better way of doing things but possibly a cooler way of doing things so like there's a lot to be said for that as well i think Thank you very much to Sam Carter for coming on the podcast this week. It's been brilliant to discuss um, merchandise as a side of things that we hadn't got round to until this point. Something I've been really bad at during this series is if you're listening to this, maybe you're tuning into us for the first time um, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us, please do rate the podcast. And even if you're feeling generous, leave us a review because it does help other people discover what we're doing. And for that, we would be super grateful if you like what you're hearing, obviously. So thank you to everybody that's like sent us nice comments and shared all of the episodes from this series so far we are sounds like a plan podcast on instagram and also got an email address as well faye got one of those email addresses it sounds like a plan podcast at gmail.com so yeah thank you to you faye enjoy some continued rest from cop 26 next time out on the podcast we will be able to talk about that and the outcomes a little bit further we've still got some brilliant conversations to share with you before the end of this series of the podcast as well so until next time thanks for listening Thanks for streaming this episode of Sounds Like a Plan. Faye Milton was your host along with me, Greg Cochran. This podcast is made by New Allotment. You can find more about them at newallotment.com. Parts of this episode were recorded at Pirate Studios, Tottenham, London. Pirate offer a range of modern and affordable recording and rehearsal spaces at more than 25 locations across the UK. They're open 24-7. For more info or to book a studio, hit the link in our show notes. This episode has been edited by Mighty Moon Media and the artwork is by Stuart Stubbs. Our theme music was created by lightandthunder.com. Until next time we're together, thank you for listening.